bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way Hello and welcome to episode 160 of the Corinne Nidja podcast. I'm your host, Corinne Nidja. This week on the show, we have Kathleen McKell. And she is talking about her journey overcoming multiple sclerosis. Now, when I say overcoming, I do not mean cured because like any disease, like any guest on this show, if we go back to eating the standard Australian, the standard American, the standard European diets, high in saturated fats, high in processed foods, it is very highly likely that our diseases will return. So it is not gone. We are overcoming it with our lifestyle choices. So Kathleen, in this episode, I loved hearing her story because she's just talking about the, the signposts, the things that were happening where she noticed, aha, I've discovered this, you know, I've being diagnosed with this devastating chronic illness. But now what can I do? What steps can I take? How can I give myself the control in this situation, take control back? Because that's obviously what many of the guests on this show want to achieve. We want to reverse what's happened. We want to heal what's happened. We want to transform our health from the inside out. And Kathleen is an incredible inspiration in this area. She has such a great story. I love speaking to people with multiple sclerosis because that was my own personal journey. And I needed stories like Kathleen's when I was first diagnosed. And I still do. I, I still need them now on my journey. They inspire me. They ignite me from the inside out. I I love hearing them. And I hope that you will too. And that's why I've, you know, this podcast is filled with so many different diseases because I realize that there are so many people living with all different kinds of chronic illnesses, that lifestyle diseases that we, we create with our choices, with our stress, with our lack of sleep, with our, with our poor diets. And these stories, I hope for everyone who's got all the arthritis, diabetes, heart disease, all those different conditions that they can come to this place, to this podcast and reconnect to their internal motivation, to their internal drive, be re-inspired to continue on their journey, to dust themselves off if they've fallen down, to reconnect with that hope and that fire within them, to take the next step forward or to, to stand up when they've fallen down. This podcast is for everyone and I'm so grateful for guests like Kathleen to come on the show and share their struggles, their challenges and and their successes, you know, their successes to be told you're going to, you know, you're going to die. You have a disease and you're going to get sicker and sicker until you die like I was, that many of the guests on this show have been. And to look that death in the face and say, we'll see about that. We'll see about that. Let's try everything first. Let's feed our bodies well first. Let's feed our minds well first. Let's sleep and take care of ourselves. Let's change things first before you 
decide on my expiration date. Let's take it back into our own hands and say, you know what, let's see. Because we all know by now the power of our minds, the power of our bodies, the power we have to heal. Like it Deepak Chopra knows that. You know, there are so many people, prayer people, religious people pray themselves well. Now, I'm not saying that's every religious person's outcome, but prayer has been shown to just be like a placebo effect. They just pray and their bodies heal. The power of their mind and their beliefs, our beliefs are so powerful. If you believe that you're a sick person, then possibly likely you'll be a sick person. But if you believe that you're a healthy person and you believe it in your bones, then chances are you'll you'll take actions that match that belief. You'll eat well, you'll sleep better, you'll drink enough water, you'll exercise, you'll meditate, you'll stretch, you'll do the things that nurture you from the inside out. And then your belief will, will be reality. It will be reality. So often we need to to, to change our beliefs first um, or we change our reality first and then our beliefs change with them, one or the other. But it's, it's there's just so much hope ultimately in humanity. I have so much hope in humanity. Now, I know that this is a very challenging time, but honestly, 2020 is challenging, but like 1500s look like a nightmare. 1500s, you were getting beheaded. Women had no rights. Like, As far as the history of humanity, 2020 isn't as bad as it was when people's heads were getting chopped off, women were getting burnt at the stake for using an essential oil. You know, there's a lot of negatives, but there's so many positives. And if we focus on the negatives, then we're going to just get more of the negative. But if we each focus on what we can do, how can we heal? What can we do for our body? How can we make life better? How can we put more love out there? How can we strengthen ourselves, our families, our communities? Then it's only going to ripple out. It's only going to ripple out into our lives, into our loved ones, into our communities and into the world. The more we show up as our best selves, our brightest selves, we get rid of the stuck negative that's weighing us down inside our minds and inside our bodies and we fill ourselves with love and compassion and kindness and we fill our bodies with healing, healing, thriving, vibrant foods, the world's our oyster. You know, this could be, this could be, this is heaven on earth if we want it to be heaven on earth or it's hell on earth if you want it to be hell on earth. And it's just the way we choose it for it to be and to see it and to create it every single day with every decision, with every meal, with every act of kindness and love and compassion. So, Ramble, Kathleen is on the show. She is fantastic. Thank you, Kathleen, for sharing your story. And I hope you all enjoy. So hello, Kathleen, and welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It is really wonderful to have you here. I I have a, I say this, I'm sorry, I say this every time, but I, it because my journey has been with MS and this podcast's, you know, it's foundations are built around my own recovery from multiple sclerosis and fibromyalgia and chronic illness. I I really love sharing these stories because I know myself and so many other women with multiple sclerosis, we need these stories. You know what I mean? And I know that that's the same with every condition that comes on this show. Everyone who has those conditions are like, please, we need these stories. 
Yeah, but these type the stories of women of people because there's been men on the show as well. Um, hi Tim, if you're listening, who have shared their multiple sclerosis stories. I think like many chronic illnesses, it's just that multiple multiple sclerosis and I think motor neuron disease and lupus, those autoimmune disease, even Hashimoto's. The prognosis is from neurologists is is pretty terrible, and it's the same with you know diabetes and with heart disease as well and cancer, of course. But yeah, it's the uncertainty and the fear that goes along with them with all these diseases, but with multiple sclerosis as well, that it's just so important that stories like yours get out there to the masses, you know, that these stories are heard so that, people, so that women aren't so frightened, that men aren't so frightened as well. I'm saying women because I'm a woman and lots of women have MS. I think it's more common in women than men. I don't know. That's my guess. Yeah, I think so too. I think it is. Yeah. All of the people I know with MS are women. I mean, I have a cousin who um, has MS and he's a guy, of course, but um, all the women I know. And you know what we all have in common? We're all strong. We're very strong, strong, determined personalities. And I've known this forever that I, I'm an intense personality. And um, my, my husband jokes that when we got engaged, my mom was like, you're taking her on because I'm so strong. And I've always had this propensity to just do everything at 100%. And I believe that that's kind of what got me here. That's what brought this on. Because I never do anything at half throttle. I am always going. And I had a lifestyle throughout my 20s. I'm 51 now, throughout my 20s and my 30s, where I was going to go as hard and as fast as I could to accomplish something. And I went into education and I got a master's degree and I was teaching and I was serving tables on the side to pay off my student loans. And I was doing all of this. And I met my husband and then I was, I was commuting and teaching full time. And I had three kids through my 30s. And by the time I hit 39, I was just strung out. And by that time, I had moved to a university job. I was teaching teachers at a university job. And I was I was commuting two hours each way. I was getting three hours of sleep a night. I wasn't eating right. I was eating your standard American diet. I was um, tending to my kids 100% in with my kids, like whatever my kids were into, you know, to, to Cub Scouts or ballet or gymnastics. I was 100% in. I was the mom that was always there. I always showed up. So it, I was strung out. And by the time I hit 39, I had intense migraines constantly, constant heartburn and exhaustion. I was just absolutely exhausted. I couldn't literally stay awake. I would get in the car to take my kids to ballet and I would be falling asleep in the car in the 20 minute drive. And then I would drop them off and I would sit in my car and sleep for the hour. And then I would take them home and I just couldn't barely keep awake. And yet I was holding down this amazing university job and I was working 12 hours. I, I would travel for two hours to get to the university and I would work a 12 or 14 hour day. And then I would go stay at a fellow faculty member's house because it was two hours away from my house. I wasn't going to drive home. I would get up the next day. I would do another 12 or 14 hour day. I would drive the two hours home, barely making it home. I would go to bed. I'd get up. I'd do three days at home of 12 hours a day in front of my computer. It was intense and it was super stressful. And then one day I wake up and I go to my computer and my kids, you know, my kids are awake and everything. I go to my computer. I can't see. I just literally can't see out of my right eye. 
and I think I'm having a stroke. And I've had some other issues come up. I was having a hard time swallowing. And but this this not being able to see thing really bothered me. So I called my husband who had already gone to work. and I'm like, you have to take me to the hospital. I think I think I'm having a stroke because I can't see anything. So I go to the hospital and they do a whole workup. They're like, you're just stressed. You just had too much stress and your full time job and your full time kids. And I was in children's ministry and I was I, I mean, it was it was a really, really heavy lifestyle I was living. And I um, I went home and they're like, you're fine. Go home. Stop living such a hectic lifestyle. But of course, I couldn't. I couldn't turn it off because it's not my personality. My personality is to go and to achieve and to accomplish. That's who Gosh, I am. We are so similar, Kathleen. So similar. And it's interesting that you say that because pretty much every woman I've met with multiple sclerosis is it, 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 that that is that, that person. person. Is that We're that we are those people? Yeah, we malfunction. We've got all our tabs open. We've got all the tabs on our computers open and we never shut it off. It's never, we never shut down. Exactly. We never shut it off. And so I'm going along and my eyes, I mean, I kind of learned to live with this huge black spot in my eyes, but my fingers started going number and I was, I'm like, something's wrong with my back. So then I go to the chiropractor, nothing wrong with my back. I, you know, I'm having my, my little kids walk on my back thinking that something's out of alignment. My fingers are going numb one by one. They're starting to go numb. And my eyes, they kind of come and go. I still have this swallowing thing, constant migraines, constant heartburn. I just, I can't get on top of this. And I'm feeling worse and worse and worse. And really to the point of getting depressed. And yet I'm still having to live this nonstop lifestyle that I have. And then um, I happened to go over to a, a friend's house for dinner. And he, um, he and his wife, they were going to the same church as me. And I said, I can't swallow. And he's a doctor, and he immediately sent me in for an MRI because he thought I had a tumor and in, like, my throat because I said, I can't swallow. I literally would, like, put something in my mouth and then feel like I was drowning and have to go throw up because I couldn't swallow. And so – and then I would do that a few times, and then it would, like, clear itself, and then I could swallow again. I mean, it was horrendous. It was embarrassing. I'd have to leave the table and was like, what's wrong with you? I'm going to leave the table so I can throw up so I can swallow again. It was horrible. So he thought I had a tumor and he sent me in for an MRI. So I go in the next day for an MRI and then he calls me at home. Unusual because he's usually just his secretary calling me at home. And he's just, a, he's not my, like, I, I don't really have a doctor. Like I'm not one of those people that oh, go talk to your doctor. I don't really have a doctor like that. So he was just kind of a family friend. So he calls me, he goes, you need to bring your husband Jim in with you and come talk to me. And I knew it was bad. So of course I pop onto the computer and I immediately, I put on all my symptoms and I hadn't done that yet. Put in all my symptoms, my headaches, my heartburn, my, my exhaustion, the tingling in my fingers. Now I was getting this um, sensation down my my back when I put my chin to my chest. You know that. And so I'm getting all these things. And I turned to my husband. I said, it's MS. I have MS. And he's like, what? And I'm like, I have MS. And I walked in and the doctor pulls me. And he's like, you need to sit down. You have MS. And I'm like, I'm thinking about my four-year-old who's like setting up for her birthday party. And this is right before my 40th birthday. And I'm thinking... I can't have MS. I can't, I can't do this. I cannot do this. And I said, okay, so what do I do? And he goes, you have to take medication. 
there's no way to get around it. You have to take, you have to go to a neurologist. Here's his name. I've set up an appointment for you tomorrow. Get in there. This is going really fast. You have to go get on medication. I said, is there any other choice? Because I just lost my father the year before to, to leukemia. I had lost my grandmother to colon cancer. And I know the side effects of taking medications. And so I'm like, seriously, there's no other option. He's like, there's no other option. This is a malfunction in your brain. You must take medication. So I go to my a neurologist, this guy, he sends me up, super nice guy, just really kind. I mean, he spends like four hours with me. And he's like, sure enough, you have MS and you've got to go on a medication. He has me all these these uh, brochures for medications. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not afraid of taking a shot. That's no big deal. So I chose Copaxin. And within the next couple of days, I have a nurse showing up, giving me directions on how to take Copaxin. And it's a shot. And, you know, very quickly, I mean, this went so fast, like within two weeks, I had gone from, I don't know what's wrong with me to you have MS. Here's your medication. Here's your nurse. Here's all of this stuff here. You're going to start on this. This is your new life. And I'm thinking, geez, you know, can I just step back here and see if there's any other options? Because I just don't know if I want to be on shots for the rest of my life. And is there anything I can do? And my sister had popped onto the Internet and started doing all of this research. And she she says to me, you know, you could look at this guy, Roy Swank. And I'm like, okay. I've never heard of him. Don't have any idea who Swank is. And so I pop on the Internet and he's like, yeah, you basically, I mean, Roy Swank isn't with us anymore. But the basic concept is you cut out all of the saturated animal fats, you get it down to a certain percentage, and you can still eat fish, and you can still eat chicken, and you can still eat some turkey and lean meats and stuff like that. But this is his and he had helped all these folks with MS get better. And so I was intrigued. And I'm just I just hesitated enough to go to my neurologist and say, I want to go to a naturopathic person and see if there's an option. And he said, he was very kind, and he said, there is no option to medication. There's none. So please do me one favor. Please do not just fade away and die. And that was the first time I'd heard that die word. And it startled me. And I was like, who's talking about death here? What do you mean? I, I didn't realize that MS could be a death sentence until he said that. So I take my, I take all of my files from him and I go to this naturopath and she's about 20 minutes North of me. And I was very honest with her. I've been diagnosed with MS. Here's all my files. My neurologist told like me, I had to go on Copaxin. I don't want to, I want to go a natural route. Have you heard of Roy Swank? All of this stuff. She looks at me and she goes, I'm going to tell you the truth right now. And here's the truth. If you don't go on medication in three years, you'll be in a wheelchair. In four years, you won't know your family. And in five years, you will be dead. You're going to die. So take the medication. And I literally walked out of her office and sat in my car and cried. My gosh. And she, the only advice she said, the only thing you can do naturally is take yoga. Oh my. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Yoga? She goes, well, it will help the, with the pain, the pain that you're going to go through. And I don't like pain. I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a person who enjoys any kind of pain. I'm, I'm completely pain adverse. It's so heartbreaking that to have a naturopath as well say that to you. And I find it really hard when people put their own fears 
onto another person, you know, without and like and especially telling you she knows exactly like four years, three years, four years, five years dead. It was heartbreaking. That's such a a horrible thing to say to someone. She ripped your hope away. Yeah, it was over. And in my mind, I mean, I had a four-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a nine-year-old. And my four-year-old at that point had just turned mm. four. And she's darling. I mean, she's just a gift. She's everything to me, right? And my older kids, they were just coming into who they were with their personalities. And and I'm like, I'm not going to see them marry. I'm not going to see her. I'm not going to see these kids grow up. He's My husband is going to be a single father. He's He's going to raise these kids without me. And I was devastated. So I drove home and I took out the Copaxin that night and I took the shot and I gave myself that shot. It was, it was the springtime. And it was just, we have a lot of light here in the spring and it was still light out and it was about seven o'clock and I gave myself that shot and it was like getting a bee sting from a 10 pound bee. It hurt so bad and I don't like pain. And I immediately thought, I can't do this. I can't do this. And within 20 minutes, that spot where I had given myself that shot had swelled up to the size of a baseball. And me and my very determined self, I'm like, I'm going to go. I'm going to work this off. I go outside and it's still light out. And I'm like outside starting to rain. I can remember this so distinctly. We have a stream running through our backyard. And I kind of sat down on the ground in the wet and rain and thought, I, I can't do this. I can't. I can't. My life is over. I, I'm done. This is it. And being completely and utterly devastated. And then I stayed there for probably 20 minutes. And then I got up and I went to bed. And I stayed in bed for three days. And the the Copaxin, I had had a severe reaction to it. And it literally, my whole, I felt like I had the flu. Like I, I couldn't get out of bed. I could barely get my head off the pillow for three days. And I just laid there. And after three days, I got up. And it was interesting. I actually felt slightly better, but not from the Copaxin because that had kind of worn off. But from basically three days of sleep, I slept for three days. And I got up and I'm like, huh, you know what? I don't have a headache this morning. And I would normally get up in the morning and the first thing I'd do is take two Excedrin. And then, you know, at midday I'd take two Excedrin to, to stave off these monster headaches I had. And so I got, I, I'd called my mom because I'd been out of commission for three days and I talked to my sister and she's like, you've got to go look at this Roy Swank stuff. Okay, so I did. I went and looked at it and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm going to defy it all. I'm just going to go with this. But I'm not going to do any any animal products at all. I'm going full in. I'm just right here and now. I will never, ever touch red, red meat again in my life. It will never cross my lips, ever. And I will never have chicken. And I will never have cream. And I will never have cheese. And I'm looking in my refrigerator and I'm like, I will never touch these again. This is poison to me. I will never do this again. And I stopped. And immediately, my husband's like, whatever I got to do, whatever I got to do not to lose you, I, I will do. I will do anything. I will show, will take everything out of here. I said, no, you don't need to take everything out of the house. You all can eat whatever you want. He goes, no, I'm not doing that. We're in. 
Let's do this. We're in for you. We're going to 100%. And we that day. Oh, your husband is so beautiful. He's a darling. He is. And from that day forward, he's like, I don't care what it takes. We will do this and we'll do this together. And I and he's the cook. I didn't I wasn't the cook. He's the cook. So he completely changed. And all of us went completely vegan. The whole family? The whole family. Even the kids? And, well, so my girls were all in. They didn't they were all in. Yeah, that's fine. And ironically enough, my at the time my middle child, Kara, was having um she was having a very serious reaction to wheat. So we had already taken wheat out of her life and I still ate wheat and everything, but um so we were already like, Okay, how do we get healthy with food? How do we get healthy with food? So all of us were in. Now my son was harder and he still he still eats meat now because he's 21 now he can do what he wants at that time jim and my kids were little at that time jim's like we're going to do this together and we're going to we're going to fix it and we will do whatever it takes and so you know then we started watching the movies you know you watch forks over knives you watch all the things and there weren't as many things out then like um 11 years ago there were only a few documentaries out there that were were good to watch i mean they were they were great but they weren't like what we have now like i love watching these movies now because you can literally it's like getting an inoculation it's like get you back on track and get you inspired right so you watch what the health or game changers and they're awesome because it's like i'm on the right track i'm doing exactly the right thing so we would go watch things whatever was out 11 years ago we'd go watch them and and get inspired and he would you know okay i'm gonna change my cook he was a he's a very good cook he's like i can do that without cream i can do that without protein I can do that if I use tofu instead of this, you know, so he was already changing the way he cooked for us. And so after that immediate change in our diets, the first thing I noticed, and it was within a week that my heartburn stopped and I had had chronic heartburn for at least 15 years. I mean, I had been on Prilosec and Zantac and all of the prescription stuff. I'd gone to the doctor and they're like, yeah, you know, you just, this is your body, deal with it. And so I, I was shocked because I took all of the protein out, all the animal protein, all the animal products out and my heartburn went away and I, I couldn't believe it. And I told Jim, I can't believe it. I don't have heart. I just literally don't have to take anything anymore. That is so wonderful. How that? How was that for you after 15 years? It was shocking because heartburn is not not fun. It, it's not. And I, I always believed I was going to end up with esophageal cancer because I have this constant heartburn and I'd heard the horror stories and and I it was shocking. I just couldn't believe it. And so we're going down this path. So that was a good thing. And also my headaches started to dissipate. So I'd had chronic migraines and they just started to fade away. Instead of having one every day i would have it every other day and then every third day so those were two immediate things yeah wow and for a lot of people listening like everyone knows that friend who has chronic migraines like you know i used to get some as well and like just be living off we have this drug called misindol here and i just used to be so almost proud of how much painkillers i could take each day to get through the day you know you'd have more than the recommended dose and you would have <laughs> all day, you know, but go to bed and you'd have had like 12 of these things that they're like, just take, you know. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. I'm like, hey, if they can give me double or triple the dose at the hospital, then why can't I just double, do triple Absolutely. dose myself at home? I mean, yes, it was that yes. bad. And and it, that's for many people, 
I find that for women, like, like women, well, I'm speaking for women because I'm a woman, so I'm sorry, but a lot of women get these migraines and they tend to make it through the work week, but then they get the mic, the, the body goes now to get you to stay, to go to, go to bed. I'm going to give you a migraine for both days of the weekend. And then they don't even get any weekend and then they're back to work on Monday and then they collapse again every Friday night. That's right. That's right. It's an endless cycle. And they're wiped for the whole weekend and they never, ever get a chance to do something, enjoy life or have a nice weekend with friends because their bodies just cope like an autopilot, just cope for the work week and then crash on that weekend. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's just a never ending cycle. So. I go through this process of those are getting better, but I'm going to tell you honestly, that month, that first month, I I thought I was going to die. I really struggled because my body went into a total, what I think in retrospect is a total detox. So I had up my water. I was still drinking, but not nearly as much. And I switched over to wine because of course that's vegan, right? So I was drinking wine and, and I was, I was cutting as quickly as possible, cutting pretty much everything out. Like I, I figured out pretty quickly, no way was I going to eat Turkey because Turkey still was, it was still a problem for me. And I was also finding that fish was still a problem, even though Swank was saying, Oh, you could eat these things. I'm like, I'm just not. So I was very quickly eliminating pretty much all of the saturated fats, all of the animal products out of my diet whatsoever. But in the process of that, my body, it was not a fun month. And people that I've talked to, they, they're like, I can't get through this. And there were many times throughout that month that I thought, I can't get through this. I am in so much pain. The headaches would come and go. I would I have night sweats. I wasn't sleeping anymore at all. I wasn't sleeping. Um, I was really restless. It was, it was like a, my body was doing a complete detox from 40 years of bad eating. And it was it was hard. And I at several points had said to Jim, I, I don't know if I can continue this. I, you know, do I just need to reconsider this? And he's like, no, let's just get through the month. And then at the end of one month, I finally started feeling like I could do this. Like I, I, I'm feeling better. My body started to come. And man, I was dropping weight like crazy. I mean, I probably dropped 40 pounds in that first month. It was just sliding off of me because I wasn't eating any fat. And uh, I've told people this before, you know, if weight loss, you want weight loss, stop eating the fat. Stop it. And your body will adjust. And it just dropped off. And people were like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? You know, uh, you, I don't eat fat anymore. I don't eat fat. And they and I hadn't gotten to the point yet as strict as I am strict now, but I hadn't gotten to the point of giving up like the oils and stuff yet. I was just had eliminated all the animal and um, that seemed to do the trick with my body and weight loss and so I had dumped a bunch of weight and people were like oh my gosh you look amazing you look so so much younger you look so much happier and I, I started to get my energy back and I hadn't had energy for 20 years and all of a sudden I was not having to sleep all the time and and so I'm like this is great all I need to do is cut out all of this stuff and my fingers had stopped. My eyesight was back. My fingers were back. I didn't get that crazy thing, the electrical shooting up my back. I didn't get any of that anymore. So this is perfect. This is all I have to do. I just have to fix my food. And so I did. And I was really, really good about it. And um, I felt great. And I ran into my 
doctor who had initially had given me the diagnosis. He's like, um, it was like two months later. And he's like, you're, this is amazing. This is amazing. And I'm like, yeah, it's great. And then I went right back to my life. I went not to my eating life. I never, I didn't touch it again. All the, the food I didn't touch that I had gotten under control and I could control it. And I'm like, this is perfect, but I hadn't addressed the rest of my life. And this is a part of it that we don't talk about very much. Uh, everyone doesn't talk very much about. And that, I don't know if you've heard of Dr. George Jelinek. Mm-mm, no. Dr. George Jelinek, he, he is based here in Australia and he, he, his mother actually had multiple sclerosis and she took her own life. So he grew up with a very sick mother and then she ended up taking her own life because she was so sick with multiple sclerosis. And then after she died, he was, di- he was a medical doctor. So he was head of the emergency department at the, a Perth hosp- big major Perth hospital in Australia. Um, when he found the symptoms and he knew exactly what he had, but he was older um, than when, you know, because he was obviously would have been very hard to have that mum growing up and he was wise and a medical doctor. And so he knew all of the mainstream options for multiple sclerosis and he'd seen his mum use them and try them and, um, and suffer and take her own life. And so he was looking outside that box because he was like, that's not for me. I don't want that. But he was also like you working really hard. He was a big job and he was high stress, the head of the emergency department and all these things. And he found Roy Swank's work and he was like, oh, this piqued his interest. And, and so he started really investigating it and looking into it. And then he has now written a book called Overcoming Multiple Sclerosis and he runs some ret- retreats around the world now. There's, a, I think there's some in Europe and Australia and New Zealand. He did a study called the Holism Study. So he's this is when he added meditation and vitamin D and all these things to the Swank diet and he removed all of the saturated fats except for he has... Well, he recommends, well, he doesn't recommend, but he just says, if you're going to eat any meat, it just be the small, like sardines for the omega-3, not the top of the food chain, because they're more likely to have a lot of mercury and heavy metals in their bodies and chemicals and our oceans are polluted for omega-3. So he just allows a small amount of oily fish, he calls it. However, I've spoken to him and said that I'm doing great with just flax ground flax right and so he's like well if it's working it's working there's no if there's no difference and there's no difference and I'd, I'd, I'd gone vegan by that stage so I was like well I'm not going to go back and add oily fish now right right yeah but his book's excellent if you're ever looking for a, another book because he's the one that for me put that piece where he's like meditation like our minds are super overactive that was massive point for me and we're we don't stop we don't stop right? My mind never stops. It's constantly going. And again, like we were saying earlier, this is who we are. This breed of people, this is who we are. And so we're combating that. And so I had taken care of the food part, but I had not taken care of the intense stress, lack of sleep, and just over the pressurizing myself and the high, high expectations that I had for myself. I didn't take care of that. So I'm going along and and I'm a couple years into my journey and I'm feeling fantastic and I dumped so much weight and I was completely, people were just 
it was a total transformation and people were like, this is amazing. And now people knew I had MS and oh, look how you overcame this. And I was about two years into it and I'm sitting at my desk at the university and I get up and I literally have these sharp searing pains in my hips. And I'm like, what is happening to me? What is going on? And um, I, it got worse and worse to the point where I could barely get out of bed, walk. And it wasn't like a collapsing walk. It wasn't like a heaviness. It was painful in my hips to walk. And I, I kind of, I'm thinking, well, am I just getting old? I mean, I'm like 43, right? And I'm, how am I getting, how does a 43-year-old not be able to get out of her car? I mean, how does this happen? I'm thinking something's wrong. Something's wrong. I'm missing something. And I start coming back to this, what am I missing? What am I missing? And I was chatting with one of my colleagues and she's like, well, you know, when I get stiff, I just take vitamin D. And I'm like, really? And she's like, yeah, I just, you know, we live in Washington state. We have no sun. I just up my vitamin D and I go home and I'm like, I got to get some vitamin D like now, like immediately I need D. So I go to like super supplements and walk in there and, and I just grab whatever thing off the shelf. Right. I don't even look at it. I'm just like, just take it. And sure enough, within two days, um, I can walk again. And I'm like, without pain. But guess what came back? My heartburn. I'm like, what is going on here? Now I have heartburn, but I don't have, but I can walk. And I'm trying to puzzle this together. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Did something slip in? You know, did you eat out? Sometimes butter slips in. Is there oil? What, what happened? What happened? What happened? And I... I can't figure it out. And so I'm continuing on my regimen of vitamin D. I'm taking quite a bit and I'm feeling really good physically, but my heartburn is back intensely. And so I'm, I'm keeping a food diary. I'm trying to decipher. And then I go and look at my vitamins, those shoddy vitamins. Oh no. Use a gelatin capsule, which is made from animal products. And I'm like, Oh, geez, I have basically been giving myself animal products in high doses. Cool. So I go and get vegan ones that are completely 100% vegan. Switch it out. Heartburn goes away. I feel good. Okay. So you, so I start to learn that every sim, my body tells me what's wrong. My body starts to tell me you're going too hard. You're going too fast. You're not getting enough sleep. You have to stop. My body literally tells me, it gives me these little signs. And if I don't listen to them, I'm going to end back up right back where I was before. So I figure that out. And I figure that like things like, you know, let's pop a gummy bear in your mouth once in a while. because you're probably, No, you can't eat gummy bears. I can't eat gummy bears. They have gelatin in them. I can't eat gummy bears. I, there's so many hidden things. I can't have that, right? The list is monstrous now. I can't have that. But what can I have? Yes. This is a really good, important point that I think everyone comes to or what needs to come to I, for myself when people say, you know, oh, you can't eat that. Right. You know, you can't eat that. And it's not great on our brain to be deprived in this state of deprivation. Like, oh, I can't have that. Like, it makes you want that thing so much. Right. But when we say, like, when we tell, tell, tell our brain, like, no, I don't eat that. Like, I, I don't eat that. Like, it's not that I can't. I could eat that. I could totally eat that thing. When people say to me now, oh, you can't have that, I'm like, no, we could. We don't because if I have that, right, my body doesn't feel great. You know, I don't work well. Everything gums up and feels disgusting. I feel foggy and sluggish. Like, I don't want that. 
I don't want that. I'll never have that. Yeah, it's it's like poison, and that's the way. It's not food. That's not food to me. It's not food, and that goes for all, everything processed. You know, everything fake. If your body doesn't know what it is, you shouldn't be putting it in your body. And that's kind of the way I look at all of the food now. I I will go like to a birthday or party or well, we're not doing that now, but you know, we'd go to a birthday party or something. I won't have the cake. I won't have those things because I know how it will affect my body. I just won't do it. But then again, if I don't have these other pieces, if I'm not listening to my body and so that was like at the two, three year mark that I discovered that. And then, and then I started getting my headaches back again and the sluggishness and all. So it's like I conquered MS and then all of a sudden MS starts conquering me again. And I was so good about my food and I was so good about watching. Now I'm taking vitamins, the vitamin D, not a lot, I very minimal on vitamins actually, but I'm taking um, care of myself, but I'm really not. Because I'm still at the same job. I'm still working 60-hour weeks. And I'm still going, doing all these things constantly. And I'm never taking a break. And I started to get my headaches back. And I, and that was like at the five, six-year mark. And I looked at my life and I looked at my job and I looked at my two-hour commute both ways. And I looked at my unhappiness in my job. And how my job was, it was extraordinarily stressful. I mean, it was, I would every once in a while just take a couple days off to go home and sleep because the stress level was, it was unbelievable working at the university. And my, in the position I had was extremely stressful. And so at about six years, I, and I'd caught, I'd crossed my five year mark. I hadn't died in mm. five years, right? I didn't Congratulations. Die. I was told I would be dead oh in five gosh. years, right? And so at, at, at six years, I'm like, I didn't die. But I'm also not feeling great anymore. I'm really not feeling okay. I'm tired again, and I have headaches again, no heartburn. But, and I could swallow. But I couldn't, I couldn't quite get me to the point, and I had been doing 5Ks, and I didn't, but I wasn't feeling good. And so I finally decided I something has to change. I have to stop this life. And so I, I have a brilliant colleague that I work with at the university, and she and I, we, we left the university together, and we started a new program where I could be 100% from home. And I was the one who created it with her. My husband helped me, and, and I had – so much support from people around me and it was the impetus for really getting me to the other side of MS where I could say, I now am in 100% control of my life. I don't have to travel down there and spend 12 hour days down there and be in that pressure cooker I was in. I, I took control of it and I walked away from that. Now my my current job has its own kind of stresses, but I have designated things out to other people and I am very controlled about what I allow myself to do. I pace myself. I listen to my body. I, um, I'm just very cognizant of how I'm doing. And so, and I sleep, I sleep. This was one of Roy Swank's things. He was all about, reducing your stress, which that leaving the university was a huge stress reduction for me. And then he was also about sleep and being able to be at home 
and sleep when I needed to sleep, take an afternoon nap if I needed to, go to bed when I needed to, get up when I woke up instead of when I had to get up and go. That was life-changing for me with MS. This is the thing that it's something that even myself, you know, I've had MS now for since 2004. And sleep is just something that it's so easy for most of us just to let fall to the wayside, but it literally is our body's chance to heal and recuperate and regenerate and, you know, restore itself. And we, we, we ignore our body's requests and demands for sleep at our own peril. We absolutely do. And I think that if you, you can fix your food, it's not easy. It is never easy to fix your food, but you can do that. You can even take stress out. But if you are not willing to allow your body to recover through sleep, if you think it's a waste of time or you think that you have other things that are more important, you're only hurting yourself and your MS will never get better. You'll never be able to push it back to where it needs to be. And the MS never goes away. You know, it's it's one of those things that it will be with me to the very last day of my life. It will never go away. And I give the analogy of MS is it's like a sleeping dragon and I have to keep it asleep and I keep it asleep by not feeding it horrible foods and I keep it asleep by resting, by keeping my stress down. But if it wakes up, it will destroy me very quickly will destroy me and I can't let it wake up. And I know when it's waking up, I start to feel tingling in my hands by tingling in my feet. And I know immediately it's time to shut this whole thing down. And you're going to go sleep for a while. You're going to go sleep for a day or two days or three days. You're going to put your work away. You're not going to answer emails. And I'm telling you right now, I just feel for all my MS brothers and sisters out there because with the stress that we have in our life right now, with the pandemic and here in the U.S. with the election and all of these pieces, these are external pieces that are being thrust upon us. And you have to not go there. You have to say, I'm not going to internalize that. If that means turning off Twitter, if that means turning off Facebook, if whatever that means, you've got to do that because you cannot let the world around you destroy you. You can't let it happen. You have to. Absolutely. And I think that with the pandemic, a lot a lot of us have become quite, well, I think everyone was already addicted to our phones and social media. But this has turned up the volume in 2020, like with everything that's been going on with your election and with the pandemic and the news and the constant changing of the information about what to do and what the restrictions are and all of those things going on. You know, our year started with just really severe bushfires as well. So we were on it for that. And then straight away, the bushfires, the smoke cleared. And then we went into the the, the pandemic immediately afterwards. And I feel sorry for the forests because no one's been paying attention to. <laughs> to right? to right. to that to prepare us for this year because we've been also focused on the pandemic that I worry about this summer for us we're going into summer now and you're just like oh my gosh I don't know if anyone had a chance to really take on board what happened to our country our country was on fire but the stress the stress of all that and I've really noticed recently that the distractibility of people because we are so scrolling and doom scrolling and stressing that our brains just aren't 
uh, my brain definitely noticed. I noticed a big difference this year where I couldn't concentrate and I, I was diagnosed with ADHD this year. And part, partly now I'm thinking it's just because we became so addicted to checking the news on our phone and checking the what's going on with, around the world that it it shortens your attention span and heightens your stress. So my stress went up, which also makes it hard to concentrate. And, and now I'm thinking that perhaps I was, you know, I was just very highly stressed all year, which as, I, you know, like you're saying, I do think of MS as a sleeping dragon. And I do say to people, like, I never say that I'm cured. I always say it's currently in remission because for me, I know if I push myself the stress has been a trigger for me many times with my relapses. If I push myself too hard, and I have very tendency to do that, if I put too much on my plate, if I don't get enough sleep, if I eat the wrong foods, it's it's not it's not gone because it's it 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 definitely sends me little taps to say, "Hey, lady." Yep, here I am. But you know, I also believe that MS has saved my life. I believe that this condition, I never call it a disease, it's a condition, I believe it has saved my life, I believe it has saved my husband's life, and it has likely saved my kids' lives. And I I would rather have MS than anything else. I embrace MS, and I, I really, truly believe that if this would not have happened to me, I would have gone down the road of probably obesity and diabetes and cancer and all of the other side. And I think you have to understand that your bo- our bodies are amazing machines, but they're also vulnerable. And the way you treat them is going to determine basically how it all ends. And so you have decisions. Everybody has decisions to make. I know that you and I kind of connected over this. I had posted something about um, it's people will say all the time, how can you, how do you do this? How do you do this? How do you curb the food? How do you handle eating out? How do you not eat that? How do you do all these things? How do you control your stress? How do you go to sleep all the time? People will say that to me and I'll say, because I have a loaded gun pointed at my head. That's exactly what I say. Russian roulette. You just have a gun to your head all the time. It is. It is. And if you had that gun pointed at your head and you knew that for me, if I pull the trigger of allowing these three things, the food, the rest, and the stress, those are the bullets that are loaded into that gun. And if I pull that trigger, I am going to die. And here's the sad thing, though, is that everybody has the gun. Everyone has the gun. They don't know they've got the gun. Everybody has the gun. And they're loading it day after day after day with the bullets. They're doing this to themselves. And they don't, I mean, I have friends with MS. And I, you know, I will, I'm not aggressive about it. I'm like, this is what I'm doing, if you want to think about it. And they're just like, no, I can't do that. Okay, that's your decision. But they're still holding the gun. Yeah. You know, and this, I think that all of us, the, our guns have gotten bigger because of the world right now that we're living in. And we have to understand that you, there's only certain things you can control. You cannot control the pandemic. You cannot control. We have, we're totally back in lockdown here where I am. Can't control that. You can't control the fact that businesses are going on a business. You can't control the politics. You can't control the election. None of that you can't control. But what you can control is whether or not you pull that trigger. Yeah. That is it. Yeah, yeah. That's it. It's, it's, it's really... I think as well, like what you said about it saving your life and your family's life, like 
it has for my husband. You know, his health is so much better. For me, it's the, it is literally the best thing that ever happened to me. And for my kids, like my kids never have colds. My, my son wishes he had a cold so he could have a day off school, but he never has a cold. He's never sick. He's got the beautiful, these most beautiful bodies. And when I was their age, I was already o- overweight. You know what I mean? I was already getting sluggish and tired at nine years old, whereas he is just bouncing off the walls and so healthy and fit. And, you know, if we had have been feeding the kids what I, what I, what Ranjit and I used to eat, which was just, cans of V. I was a smoker. I was eating all the junk, but I loved lollies and chips and cake. And if they were eating that, they would have exactly been exactly where I, where I, where I ended up. And so, you know, Dr. George Jelinek, he said, you know, for kids of people with multiple sclerosis, like they tend to respond to stress the same way. They tend to live in the same climates because it happens further away from the equator and all those things. So all you can do is help them with the food and help them to manage their stress and learn how to take care of themselves because if they get it, they're much more likely to get it because they're your they're your kids and live and eat the same foods as you and live in the same places as you. And so we just always did. And it has saved, definitely saved all of us from all those major chronic illnesses. Like it is, you're not just avoiding, when people say to me, oh, don't you miss those things? I'm like, but I, I'm, I'm missing out on heart disease. I'm missing out on diabetes. I'm missing out on all the other Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, you know, all these different asthma, eczema, psoriasis, constipation that I used to get constantly. Oh, horrific. Candida. I don't want any of that. So for me, it's it's been just an absolute blessing. Yeah. I agree. It really is the best thing that's happened to me in my adult life. And it's not been easy. Some people will, they'll like to look at the the documentaries and things. There's so many great ones out now you can watch. And they'll go look at that for inspiration. They think like in a month they're going to be better. And it's like, I'm 11 years into this and I'm, I'm good. I'm better than I was. Um, but it's always going to be there and it's always going to be something that I grapple with. And to my last dying breath, it's, it's MS will, will always be with me, but I'm trying to prevent my kids from getting it. I have two very, very strong girls and my youngest was it, like, just like you were saying about your son, she's amazing. She was a competitive gymnast and she has an incredible, strong, flexible body but gymnastics was is a very very difficult sport and at 15 she was so stressed about it that she was getting constant constant headaches she was having jaw issues she was grinding her teeth she wasn't sleeping she was losing weight all of this stuff and i i look at her and i'm like this can't go on and she's like this can't go on it's too stressful You've got to take the stress out. So she had the food part, but the stress, she had to leave it because the stress was so high. And at the level she was at, it was extremely high. It was so high that she, her body couldn't take it anymore. And I can see both of my girls going down the same path as me because they're very strong, just like me. Very individualized children who believe that they're going to make a mark on this world. And that's wonderful, except that you have to keep that in check. You can't just let it go. You know, I'm all about now setting up boundaries for myself. I have to rein myself in constantly because I was go. You know, I get a project and I'm like, I'm just going to go do this hundred percent. Here I go, you know, nonstop. And I'm like, no, 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 no. 
you're not going to do this. You're going to you're going to turn off your work at four o'clock in the afternoon. You're going to go sit and have dinner. You're going to go binge watch something on Netflix. You're going to go do something mindless because otherwise you're going to go right back down the path. And I see my kids doing this, my girls, not so much my boy, but my girls are just like me. And they will in 20 years be exactly where I am. Unless I can teach them, that's not, you don't have to make those choices. You don't have to be there. You don't have to do that. So it's been a really interesting journey. Um, and when I, I it full of pitfalls and lots of tears and, and lots of inspiration, and I wouldn't change it for anything, but it's, it's not easy. No, it's not. It's not. And I definitely think for me, like one of the things for me with the food part for me was, 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 has been really challenging off and on. It's been easy. Sometimes, sometimes it's a, sometimes it's a piece of cake, but (laughs) pardon the pun, but it's one of, for me, realizing that I had food addiction on top of, on top of just ordinary relationship. And I think many people have it. I just didn't know it until Andrew Taylor pointed it out his own and I was like oh gosh I have that definitely and that has been the big one of the biggest challenges for me is that I can't stop thinking now I'm much better but like I just could not stop thinking about food and and obsessing about it and wanting it and craving it and wanting things that I shouldn't eat, like higher fat vegan foods and all these things that would get more well, eating just too many medjool dates with peanut butter, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I mean, the problem is, is that food is everywhere. It is so immersed in our life. You can't, you know, every holiday, every event, every everywhere you go, there's food. I, the day that I said I'll never, ever eat red meat again, I was literally driving by a uh, um, like a burger place. And you know how you can smell the burgers and that beautiful smell of fresh cooked? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. Yeah, I was driving by and I'm thinking that will never cross my lips again. I'll never do it. And I almost, I almost lost it right there and then because, you know, you, your body, we love that food. I love food. I love food. And I'm very fortunate that I have a husband who can cook really, really good vegan food. But, um, boy, I love food. And my, my son still eats steak. And he still eats these things. And I will I, know, I smell it. And it's in my house and things like this. And I, But I get through it. And I just go back to my core principles of, no, you know, you don't get to have that. But guess what? You do get to have this beautiful salad over here with this Dijon dressing that you made that's fat-free. You know, you, so you just kind of go into a different space and and deal with it. But You do deal with it. But it is it is constantly like a growth, like a growth. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm doing really, really well and I'm really strong and things are settled down. And then just, you know, something terrible happens. And um, I'm, I don't think I have a food addiction, but I'd, I'd love to eat. But I don't necessarily have a food addiction as, as I just married a really good chef who really does great food. And so before I was diagnosed, I was eating amazing food and I do miss it. And people will ask me. Um, what, if you could have one thing, what would you eat? I mean, I get that asked all the time and the really it's prime rib. I just, just prime rib. I just want prime rib. Right. And I'll never eat prime rib again in my life. Never. And that's okay. But I'll think about it and I'll, I'll smell sometimes I'll smell it. I'm like, that's enough. I don't need it. I don't have to have it. So, but it is a struggle. I mean, so people think that, you know, you just kind of get over, over the, 
the hardest part, and then it, it it's clear and sailing, it's breezy. It's never MS is never easy. It's never ever going to be easy, and it is about making sure that you are prioritizing yourself in this world, a very very difficult world. Yeah, and you have supportive people around you. You know, the people around you is really critical. I do agree. I think that everyone who really thrives tends to have a really like a great supportive partner or great supportive kids. And for me, MS MS for me is only hard now. Well, it's hard when I'm very driven to do lots of things so it's hard because it, I have to remind myself that I need to chill and I forget to and because, because I'm so yes. capable <laughs> my family forget forget that I need yes. to rest so that can be a challenge and I forget so they also forget but I also I think for me the hardest part is when I'm out of my little safe bubble sometimes I'm out of my safe bubble and there's people who you know or like you know, Christmas is coming up and there's, you know, there's extended family and friends and people and I don't want any animals in my house because for me and my kids, I just I just don't want it in, in our house. But that causes little internal frictions and things where I feel possibly only coming from within, but I feel like, oh, I'm, I'm ruining someone else's Christmas if they come to my home. And then I think it's one day they can actually get a leg of ham for themselves like tomorrow if they want and have it at their house. Like it's just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I guess they're also thinking it's one day. Let us have meat at your house. And I'm like, oh, like I can't. But yeah, so that for me is my struggle probably is that I want to be people pleaser naturally. And that can be a challenge because it's just not my, I don't want that in my house because for my little kids, I want to protect them from getting multiple sclerosis as well, you know, and I'm just, I'm like, oh, I don't want to send them a message that it's, it's, it's okay. That it's okay. Yeah. I, I, my biggest issue is traveling. I mean, I love to travel. We traveled a lot before we had kids and, and we did some, my husband and I did some crazy things. Like we sold everything back in 2001 and bought a sailboat in the Caribbean. And, and we, you know, I wrote a book about that and it, you know, we did crazy things and, and lived a crazy traveling lifestyle. And, um, I think that I can't travel like that anymore. We recently, we actually took a trip in October and it was devastating for me because I couldn't basically eat you know, I couldn't, there was nothing really for me to eat because we were gone for 10 days and um, I, it was really hard to find anything to eat anywhere because everything's just piled with butter and oil. And so I get down to, you know, I'm going to go there, the, we were traveling with my brother and my sister-in-law and, and, um, and my daughter, my youngest daughter, you know, they, they were, we were going out to restaurants every night and there was just, I mean, I'm eating plain baked potatoes and plain salads and they're all having, that's the, I think the traveling is the hardest part for me. And of course my son loves to eat out. And so we go and he'll, he'll eat normally. And I'm with, again, my <laughs> plain baked potato, my salad. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, certain restaurants aren't fun. And I always try to sway people to go to restaurants. You know, do you have the Happy Cow app in the US? We do. But I, honestly, we just don't live. It's funny because I'm north of Seattle. But we just don't have a lot of places that are very yeah. vegan friendly. And so you would think that in the Pacific Northwest, we would be more vegan friendly, but we're just really not. And so it's, 
it's really hard. I mean, even the vegan places are just so covered with oil that it's hard. And I react immediately. Like I had one meal that was vegan on our trip and I spent all night throwing up because I was just so sick with it. And it was a vegan meal, right? And I, again, it just you can't, I can't do it. And I knew that. And, but you know, you start to slip up. So it's, I think that is a journey that will forever be challenging. And there's no way I can ask anybody to adjust for me. We're going to my brother's house for Thanksgiving and he's cooking salmon and, you know, scalloped potatoes and things like this. And I'll, again, I'll just sit there with my stuff. But my, but the nice thing is, is that so will my husband. We'll bring our own food. My husband will bring his food, you know, and my daughter will be there and we'll have food that I can eat. So my family's really good about mm, that. You, so. do, you do get used to bringing your own food. Everywhere. You do. You do. Yeah, you do. It's, you get it's an interesting thing. So, yeah. So, Kathleen, I didn't even get to ask you any questions because you're like me. You could talk. <laughs> talk for hours and hours. And yes. I, could, I could listen to you talk for hours and hours, so it's fine. But um, what would be your three biggest tips for anyone wanting to make this transition for themselves, for their health? Well, the first is definitely never give up. Uh, it's I really believe that never giving up on yourself and never giving up on your health is absolutely critical. You can't, it's not going to be easy. People who think it's easy, it's not easy, but you can't ever give up. And so many times I have gone to bed. I haven't, I mean, it's been 11 years now. So many times I've gone to bed and I have laid there and think, have thought to myself, I I kind of failed myself today. I stressed out too much or I worked too much or I didn't rest enough or something slipped into my food. And then I have to say to myself, don't you ever give up. You keep going. You keep trying. You Tomorrow is a fresh day. You start again. Don't you ever give up. Don't ever give up on yourself because that's, that's when it all goes bad. And that's really important. And you're going to fail. You're going to fail. You're just going to fail. And you might fail multiple times a day. In the beginning, you're going to fail a lot. But you can't give up. You have to keep going. You just have to keep going. Yeah. And number two? Number two is you've got to listen to your body. A good example is, I, you know, I'm vegan now, completely vegan. So I... Uh, you know, everybody talks about you have to take vitamin B12. Okay, so I started taking vitamin B12. And, oh, that pesky not being able to swallow thing started again. And so I was taking a liquid vegan vitamin B12, and my body just did It's like, no, we're not doing this. You have to listen to your body. And what's good for one person is not necessarily what's right and good for your body. You have to listen to your body. So like Roy Swank was, they let them eat chicken and fish and stuff. No, I don't do that. I am full in vegan now. And I don't eat those things because I know my body can't handle it. And you have to listen to your body. And then the last thing is the importance of, of sleep and stress reduction. If you can do all of the work in the world with your food, if you don't reduce your, your stress and you don't sleep, you're not going to get better. But if you do those critical three things, re reduce your stress, sleep, and fix your food, you can be healthy. And I don't care what you have. You can be healthy. I don't care if you have rheumatoid arthritis or if you have cancers or whatever. You can be healthy if you fix these things. But you have to do all three. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that that's like, like 
all the doctors that have come on this show talk about, you know, diets, you know, 70 to 80% responsible for our overall health and our immune function. But that 20%, we just can't ignore our mind, how our mind works, strengthening our mind, working with stress, working with relaxation, really working to get enough sleep, prioritizing it. And as I said, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a saint when it comes to sleep. So I still have work to do in, <laughs> in that area, but definitely, and, and also in stress reduction as well. You know, it's something that I'm constantly working on because I like to pile up my, my plate with too many things. Yes. Yes, as we all do. Yes. Yeah, I love that. I was wondering with your point number two about B12, what do you do for B12 now? So right now I'm because this just happened about three months ago. I'm not taking any B12 now. And then I'm actually going to go to a naturopath. I have a friend who's a naturopath and talk to her about it because I know that B12 is missing in my diet. But literally uh, for the entire time I was taking that, I was thinking, oh, maybe it's nuts or maybe something else has slipped in. And then um, I, it was miserable. I was back to that miserable place of every single time I ate, I would have to go throw up. So I, and then I stopped taking it. And within a couple of days, I was fine. And I didn't have that problem again. So I don't know if it was the type I was taking, but I have to figure out how to get B12. I, years and years ago, so I haven't had a B12 deficiency since I've went plant-based, but years and years ago when I was a meat eater, I had a B12 deficiency. Oh, interesting. Yeah, um, when I was like 21, before I was diagnosed. And I hate needles and I hate pain. So I hear you completely, which is why I went this journey, literally, because I was so frightened of needles. Yeah. But I... I, I was really, really low in B12. And so that she's like, you have to come every, I don't know how often, but like for three rounds of B12 shots in your butt. Well, she said arm or butt. And I literally hated needles so much. I was fine with her doing it in my butt because my butt had a lot of fat on it at the time. And so I was like, give it to me in my butt because I don't want to see it. I don't want to look at it. And it's got a lot of fat, so it probably won't hurt. But she gave me B12 shots then. And I remember because I was, I was, my body was sending me huge signs that I was leading up to multiple sclerosis, but I was in that, this is just life. Everyone's tired, everyone's sick, everyone's overweight, everyone's got headaches and constipation and all these things. But I went there and she's like, you think you're low in B12? And she gave me those shots. And honestly, it was such a high of energy. I felt so good. Like it wasn't as good as being vegan feels, but it was great. So, I mean, if you're not, if you can hack the needle in the butt, I highly recommend the really good way of getting the B12 shot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's what I liked about B12. It gave me tons of energy, right? I felt great when I took the B12, except for the fact I couldn't swallow anything. So, <laughs> so I, you know, again, it's a journey. And so I have to figure out uh, how I can get the B12 and, and keep track of it. And, you know, maybe I'm not deficient. Um, so I'm going to go to my naturopathic friend and see what she can help me with um and and just see you know as we head down the road maybe i'll try a different brand or maybe i'll try something that i don't react to there's obviously something in it that basically it's basically an allergic reaction just like i i can't, also can't eat peanuts and so this happens to me when i eat peanuts as well but i've known that for years i just hadn't connected the dots with meat and what was happening was that before I got diagnosed, I was eating meat normally. And for some reason, that's what was causing the swelling of my esophagus and why I couldn't swallow anymore. And so then that went away. And up until this B12 thing, I really didn't have that problem. And then I started taking B12 and then this happened again. So again, this is just... It's, it's interesting, the little sensitivities that we all 
kind of yes, we kind right? of get like I I, right. I do think like we had a guy on last week Tim James hi Tim if you're listening but he was talking about toxins he he has a business called Chemical Free Body and that was part of my own journey as well is looking into like where else is my body receiving chemicals and toxins that are making me hypersensitive to things you know is it is it GMOs is it perfume so i can't stand perfume like fact like like perfume it gives me a really bad headache personally and that feels like it's my body saying this is too much of an overload of my neuro, in your neuro you know in your neurology of this of this poison like like, like we have these big shopping centers and you walk into that perfume place and I cannot bear that place. Like I'm the opposite of my mom and all the women who are like, let me spray it all on me and try it. And I'm like, spray, spray nothing on me and let me never come into this place. Right, exactly. But I think a lot of those little hidden things like the chemicals in our water, the chemicals in our cars are made of, the chemicals in our home sprays and our body stuff, like – I just feel like for a lot of us, combined with stress, the chemicals, the food, the chemicals on our food and the fats and the processed foods, it just our bodies just say, uh uh, enough's enough. And Yeah. Absolutely. And they and they can't absolutely. Cope. And I believe that as well. And that's that goes back to listening to your body. And you have to I keep really close tabs on what I eat, what I come in contact with. I drink a ton of water. Um, I don't drink very much, but I'll have wine once in a while and I am constantly in check. Okay. So how did I react to that? Okay. So how do I feel? Okay. Did I feel better? Does that make me feel worse? So I'm constantly keeping track of my body because I, I'm the only one who can do this work. And if things start to go south, I'm going to know right away. And I think it's part of my, my issues with control that I want to be able to, to kind of nip things in the bud. If all of a sudden things start to go south, I got to take control of that and I got to make sure that get back on track. So like even last night, I'm having perfectly normal, clean, healthy day. And then I had a really hard time like um, swallowing. I'd had some edamame and I had some salt on it. And I just had a really hard time eating after that. I'm like, hmm, I wonder if I'm getting too much salt. You know, just little things. So I'm starting to think I just I'm keep track of myself, all aspects of myself. And um, that will keep me healthy. Absolutely. And, and that's the work we all ha- should be doing with our bodies because we only get one body and we only get one time. This is it, right? So we have to keep track of, of how we're doing mentally, emotionally, physically, all of it. It's our responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, like a friend of mine, when I first started on this journey, I remember when I first was diagnosed and I would say, I can eat, I think I can eat anything. Nothing bothers me even though I was really, really, really sick. And my doctor's like, so nothing bothers you. You don't react to onion or wheat. And I'm like, no, nope, everything's, everything's just the same. And then you go on this journey and now everything starts to bother you. And my friend was saying, gosh, isn't it annoying now that everything bothers you? I couldn't bear that. I'd rather not know. And I'm like, no, but now my body's working. And it's saying, this bothers you. Don't eat it. This also bothers you. Don't eat it. This bothers you. Don't eat it. But before it was just like, uh, I wasn't even working. Like it wasn't, it wasn't telling me anything. It was just like, well, it was telling me everything, but it had gotten so tired. It was just shouting and it was just noise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is exactly what happens because as we go, the older I get, the more things I'm like, and I can't, I, that bothers me too. Oh, that's interesting. Like I've been on this journey about, I, um, I eat bread. My daughter is, 
my daughter cannot have any wheat. And she's actually, she's almost more strict than I am because she doesn't eat any wheat products whatsoever. And I would eat pasta and bread and things like this. And then, then I, a couple months ago, I'm like, you know, it just don't feel very good. So it sent my husband on this long trail of making his own bread where he's, you know, do this long fermentation of all of these things and just trying to make, because I stopped eating bread. I'm like, I'm just going to stop and see if I feel better. And lo and behold, I did. And so now I'm eating like quinoa and other grains and things like this. But uh, now he is adjusting and he's like, okay, so I'm going to, now he makes all of our bread. So now, you know, and he has, luckily he has the time and he can do it, but now he's making all these exotic breads and things that I'm, those don't, I don't react to those, but I will react to store-bought bread now. And I, it wasn't like that before. So, or maybe it was, and like you said, I just didn't recognize it because my body was overwhelmed. Who knows, right? It's interesting though. So, For me, bread's the same. If I have store-bought bread or any bread, I just feel it. If I make it at home, I don't, I don't it feels pretty good, but if I eat it out I just get bloated and feel but but I still always test that (laughs) right right I know me too I'm like I'll just try this one time and I'm like yeah no that wasn't good (laughs) no and and I'm back to it I'm like why do you do this to yourself why do you do this (laughs) so I do think it's important to um encourage anyone absolutely anyone who has MS that there are answers and, you know, just like after that one time I took that one shot and I'm like, this can't be my answer. And you don't have, there are answers outside of, of traditional medicine, right? Or the, I could, not traditional, the but the yeah. new medicine. Yeah. Yeah. The shots yeah, yeah. and all the things. There yeah. are and answers. If, and if there you're, other I think that for people, some people don't react, you know what I mean? Because a lot, a lot, a lot of, and you know, sometimes our mind plays a huge part in it. And I think, like George Jelinek, he's, he's not on Copaxin anymore, but when I went to his retreat in 2006 or something, he was like, you know, if you're scared of going the whole food plant-based route, do both. You don't, no one says you have to not do one and only do the other. Like, do it all and see. And then if you feel really, really good, maybe wean off the medication and see how you feel. And if it's worse, come back. Just listen to your body as tip number two of Kathleen's. Listen to your body and do what feels right for you. Because if you feel like this is too f- extreme for you and your body is just f- frightened and thinking that you're doing the wrong thing because your neurologist says you're going to die and your naturopath says you're going to die – just combine combine them and, and then until you feel confident or listen to this 100 and now 160 episodes of this podcast where you can hear stories that make you feel like watch Forks Over Knives, What the Health, Game Changers, all those documentaries that are out now. Listen to Dr. Michael Greger's videos and his website, nutritionfacts.org and Dr. Michael Clapper's everything and all the people read Eat to Live. There's so much research out there now. Definitely check out Dr. George Jelinek as well if you're at the beginning and you're like wanting to learn more about why the science of what we're talking about today, because we're not doctors or scientists. We're just two, two women hanging out talking about, yes, <laughs> talking about our personal experience. And then they are our personal experiences. And so Kathleen, what Kathleen's saying may not be exactly your journey, but take, definitely take the never give up and the listen to your body because there will be things that will be different in your body. I mean, how you react to certain things and just listen and engage with positive, open-minded healthcare practitioners and naturopaths and nutritionists. In here in Australia, we have Robin Shooter, who's incredible at Empower Total Health. And we also have Natalie Woodman, 
who is an incredible gut health microbiome. Both of them are actually, but um, Natalie Woodman as well is, a, is an incredible gut health expert. So a lot of our chronic illness is about our gut microbiome being out of balance. And that plays a massive role in all those things we're talking about where some foods just make us feel because our, our gut's just a little bit, you know, skew whiff, as my mum would say. <laughs> I don't know if that's a term anywhere else. <laughs> so getting those little tweaks and getting those support people and surrounding yourself with positive people by, you know, joining online groups of people if you don't know anyone in your area, really reaching out to connect with people and have them maybe as your mentor or ask them if they'd be your mentor or a support person or whatever because we're, we're, we're all in this together. Absolutely. Absolutely. We really are. And seeking out those pieces, I was um, right before I got on with you, I was going kind of going through the different documentaries and things like the What the Health and, and uh, you know, there's a couple new ones out I'm going to go watch. I watch Game Changers. I think any time you can just input that information into the possibilities of your life to give you hope that you can get better. This is not MS and many of these chronic diseases. These are not death sentences. These are just lifestyle changes that need to be made. That's it. And and you can do this. You can absolutely change your life and your children's lives and your spouse's lives and your friends' lives. You can do this. And it's important for you to understand the power that you have inside of you to conquer things and conquer MS or whatever yeah. your ailment is. And I think that's a really great note to end on because I think for many people in our in our current way of thinking, it's that you get these diseases and your life's, you know, not over, but that you're just medicated for the rest of your life. And 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 even though going vegan, as Kathleen and I have said, there are challenges to any the challenges to anything. There are many more challenges to not doing it. To not doing it, doing it versus do, not doing it. Like I would take the challenges of doing it and being able to run when I couldn't feel my legs, being able to poo when I couldn't go to the bathroom, <laughs> being able to not have headaches, all those things. Like we both are doing this because the alternative is far, far worse. So much worse. So much our worse. Li- our lifestyles Maybe, you know, maybe the one at the dinner carrying our freezer bag and got all of our food at the restaurant. And that's a pain, but it's not as painful as what it was like to live with multiple sclerosis, having the control and holding the reins of us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now we have the reins and that feels much better to know, okay, well. And it actually plays into our personality, right? Because we are the ones who want to conquer and and be in control of things. So th- you can control this. Yeah, you can do this. Absolutely. Absolutely. No one, no one is too weak to do this. Yeah, you can do this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Kathleen. You've inspired me for the day. Welcome. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. And it was just a joy meeting you. And I love your passion and enthusiasm. And we're very similar in our <laughs> ability to, <laughs> to communicate. And it was really wonderful to hear your story. And it was it was great to let you kind of guide the conversation because you went to really wonderful places that it was really in- interesting and fascinating for me. So thank you for sharing. And yeah, I'm so glad that you're doing so well. Yeah, doing well, doing well and happy. That's and so good. good. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Thank you, Kathleen, for coming on the show. It was wonderful to meet you. I'm so glad that you're out there existing and sharing your story and your transformation with your friends and your community 
And here on the podcast, I'm so grateful that you're now in people's ears sharing what's happened for you and how you've transformed yourself with a whole food plant-based diet and with sleep and stress reduction, all those pieces to the puzzle, because they are all such important pieces to the puzzle of preventative medicine, of lifestyle medicine, of making changes from within and to prevent and reverse chronic illness. So thank you. Thank you all for listening. Please share Kathleen's story with your friends and family online because if you don't share it, they won't hear it. And every single guest on this show, we all changed because someone in our friends and family sent us a link, sent us an article, sent us a podcast, sent us a story, and we went, oh, thank God. Oh, gosh, because I didn't like the other. The alternative was devastating, and this has given me hope. You don't know who you will affect by sharing stories like this. So please do, because you never know whose life, like Kathleen's, like mine, like Rebecca Stonor's, like Adam Guthrie's, like Shamiz Katwala, like, oh, my gosh, my brain like Amanda Fisher, like Josh Lajorni, like like Tim James, like every other guest on this show. You know, we, Heather Kaufman, there are so many great guests on this show. They all, Chef AJ, you know, there are so many people on this show whose lives, lives have been changed for the better, but only because they heard it from someone, somewhere, someone said, Esther Loveridge, Andrew Taylor, someone somewhere shared something and those people's lives were changed forever. So please help me in my mission to share these stories, to get hope out to the world, to heal the world and transform the planet from the inside out. You know, imagine all these whole people free of disease roaming the earth. It'd be so, be so great. It'd just be so great. It's one less bad thing <laughs> that's going on. One less bad thing that we can do for the animals, for the people, for the planet. So Help me out and share the podcast, rate, review, like, follow me on Facebook at Corinne Nidja on Facebook and Instagram and everywhere else. If you'd like to know when episodes are coming out and to know when I'm going on a break, because I've taken a couple of breaks recently and I haven't been able to mention them on the podcast in time. So if you want to know what's happening with the podcast all the time, follow me on Facebook, Corinne Nidja on Facebook, and you can follow me on Instagram as well, just for other updates and things like that. All right. I have to go. Have a great week. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bags are packed. Are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road. Riding with you in the sunnier days.